Michigan fans, welcome to In the Big House with your host Tyler Seeley and BB's Big House. From game day recaps, recruiting, player evaluations, and all the latest buzz around the program, we've got you covered. Now here's Tyler and Brian. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the In the Big House podcast. This is episode five, the Jabril Peppers episode. Brian, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. How are you? Let's get it. I'm doing good. Michigan with a big win over Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, 27-14. Anytime you can go in there and win, that's a big win, isn't it, Brian? Absolutely, absolutely. As long as I've been a fan, uh, and that's been a long time, you go to Kinnick, you just hope to get out of there with a win, regardless of what's on the line, regardless of what we're playing. And with a minute 10, minute 20 left, Michigan was up 27-7. I don't know what else you could ask for. Uh, we got out of there relatively injury free. I know the call guys have some dings, but uh, you know, I, I think we walked out of there uh, with a really good flight home and in really good spirits. I think that was an outstanding win. Yeah, I agree. I, I know. I don't think there was ever really a point in that game where I, I doubted that Michigan was going to win other than maybe at the beginning, but the start was so damn dominant and so damn good. It just, it really kind of didn't matter. They, they went out there uh, they punched Iowa in the mouth, and there was no res real response from Iowa, um, other than the you know where JJ kind of fell down. He fell over uh, the offensive lineman. There. Was it Keegan or was it? Uh, yeah, I stepped on him. I was Zinter. I think it was Zinter. May have stepped on it. Yeah, Zinter. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And uh, you know that happened, and then the, you know the punt gets shanked there. Mm -hmm. and, and kind of, you know, Iowa kind of gets a little bit of momentum. The crowd gets into it, and then Michigan kind of stops them on fourth down, and that's kind of the ball game, even though, yeah. you know, Iowa did go down and score afterwards. But, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly what you wanted. You know, mm -hmm. it, it didn't – Colorado State didn't teach you anything. Hawaii didn't teach you anything, and UConn didn't teach you anything. Um, you learned a little bit against Maryland, and uh, I think you really kind of learned a lot about this team Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought, uh, you know, the game plan was make Spencer Petras beat us. And uh, there were moments he had times where he could have made some big plays. That guy is a really bad quarterback. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. they, they, the play, the plan worked and they put him in a position where if he could have made the right throw and the right play, he could have done some damage, but he just, he not. did. He did have, uh, he had spurts. He had spurts. Uh, on paper, he had a pretty damn good game, but it just, like 30, 21 of 31 for 246 yards, a touchdown. I know the average was only 7.9 yards per pass, mm -hmm. but like, I mean, he didn't have a horrendous game by any stretch of the imagination on paper. Now, if you watch yeah. the game, some of these throws to guys that are wide open, he's, he's missing these guys by mm -hmm. a ton. And, uh, you know, I mean, Sam Laporta didn't even really have that great of a game. I thought, you know, if, if Iowa was going to win the game, it was going to be a lot of LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson and them running the football and then, you know, play action to Sam Laporta. That just never really materialized for we Iowa. get the running game going. We should, I mean, what were their yards per carry? It was like under two yards a carry or something, right? I mean, yeah, something ridiculous like yeah. that. I mean, uh, uh, LaShawn Williams had eight carries for 34 yards with a 4.3 average, and then Caleb Johnson had 12 carries. For 32 yards uh with a 2.7 and then Petrus, you know he was yeah. 
you know, the, the surprising thing to me, and we'll get it, we'll get into it when we talk about the defense, but the surprising part is he was relatively clean, um, you know, not turning the ball over was Petrus. Right. No turnovers in the game, right? For either team. Yeah. You know, but but talking about the game plan for Michigan, I thought you know, the old guys and, and a lot of the people that that uh like things tighter to the vest and you know, especially guys like Jim Harbaugh, you know, that was a that was a well-executed game. I don't want to say it was perfect or greatly executed because I think there was a lot of meat left on the bone, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But, um, you know, if J.J. hits a couple of those deep balls to Roman Wilson, um, you know, down the sidelines there, we're talking about maybe a 38-7 to game. And, you know, the narrative of Michigan this – is, this is what – I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second here. This is what really pisses me off about this fan base. It's not enough now to go into Iowa, a place you haven't won since 2005, and, you know, just win the game. No, you have to go in there and blow them out. And now I see this same thing about the Michigan State game. Like, you take it – I've always said this. You take it one week at a time because you saw what happened around college football. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, why? why is the narrative now, like, Oh, Michigan didn't go in there and beat the brakes off Iowa. It's like we haven't won there since 2005. Yeah, yeah it was. It was. I, it, I think when said, I think social media and all the hype and all all shows and podcasts like this, people just hype everyone up and make them think that it's just easy, and it's not. What it's seven or nine ranked teams lose last week, and Georgia for the second week in a row. And you and I both think Georgia's a really good football team. Uh, barely beat a horrible Missouri team. I mean, it's tough out there. It's every like you said, week by week. It's 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 a grind, and uh, everything's still right there for Michigan, and it's exciting. But you know, the expectations on a week to week basis have to be a little bit more realistic. I think one thing that, that people don't realize right now, too, is they're not pulling the read option with J.J. McCarthy if they don't have to. I think – did he have one rush in the game? He did. He did. He, it was yeah. very good. I hated – I absolutely hated the speed option that they had uh, on – what was it, on third and two or something like uh, that? They decided to to have the speed option. And they the offensive line didn't read it, and so it, it just ended up kind of getting blown up. Um, not like a good play by either of them, but you're going to say if J.J. Holt held it. Now, what I was going to say is for the life of me, and I feel like I understand football fairly well, is I will never understand why teams, NFL, college, run an option or spread play to the boundary. There's no field to work with. There's no space for your athletes. I ne- As soon as I saw that play, a tenth of a second, I'm like, what are they doing? I can see uh, – the plague playing out. I just, I never liked that play. I will see, say, however, to anyone that listened to the podcast last week, you and I were both calling for jets, more jet sweeps, more plays the boundary. And the first touchdown of the game, Ronnie Bell, it was like you and I were both like, Wah! you know, it was just awesome that, uh, uh, that, you know, they, they utilize that play. I'm so happy for Ronnie. And, and, and I, don't, no, I, don't know if, I don't know if you well, saw there was a little bit of controversy of Ron, on Ronnie Bell's touchdown. Did you see that? I did not. What? No. Well, you know how uh, Iowa does the wave, right? Ronnie, yeah. Bell, how Ronnie Bell celebrates his touchdowns. I've been doing it all year. Is he waves to the Michigan fans on the th- thing? And of course, wow. social media. Someone turned that into him mocking the wave, which he 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 answered on social media. But that was just ridiculous. Such a good guy, Ronnie Bell. But uh, we don't have to spend time on that. But it just 
I, I thought I thought the play calling was outstanding uh, on Saturday. I really did. Well, leave it to people on social media to get sensitive about something small as small as a celebration. It's not like you know it was it was derogatory towards no, the wave or anything no. ridiculous like that. Um, it, it's it's one of those situations. I, I agree. The play calling was good to get back to what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little vanilla, but I think Jim Harbaugh is, is trying to keep. I think that particular Ronnie Bell play is something we haven't seen all year. We have seen jet sweeps this year, mm-hmm. but they haven't been, um, you know, the offensive line hasn't, it's been out of different looks. I, it's someone uh, I was listening to pointed that out. Um, so that was a new look jet sweep from, yeah. from, you know, Absolutely. what was ran before against Hawaii, I think was the last one that they had, or maybe it was UConn, but either way, I mean, it, it was a different look. And then, you know, Blake Corum was fantastic yet again. And we'll, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of people said, can he be Hassan Haskins? I mean, so far he's been pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, a little different. Looks a little different how he does it. But, yeah, I mean, Hassan Haskins, one of the two or three best running backs in the Big Ten last year. Blake Corum, one of the two or three best running backs in the Big Ten this year. I mean, right back at it. So I thought, you know, in terms of uh, play-wise, I think J.J. had a pretty damn good game, really clean, except he put the ball on the ground once. Um I don't know that you could play a better game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, again, I think for him, he, he uh, was very effective. I think he made some really good decisions. I think they pointed out the telecaster, the one ball that Ronnie wanted him to throw to the outside, and he threw to the boundary, I thought was a really smart play because he was going right into one of their best defensive backs' coverage. Um, you know, I think, I think the thing that's separating this games from being really good to being elite is he's just got to connect on some of those deep balls and – We'll keep saying it till he does it, or it'll go so long that he doesn't do it, and that's not as big a strength as we all think it is. But uh, you know, he hits on a, he just hits on one or two of those, and his stats are ridiculous. You know what I mean? And so uh, I think it's I think it's coming. I think it's a really hard low percentage play to be honest with you. I'm not saying that it can't be done or that it shouldn't be done, but I think that the deep ball or taking a shot downfield. You've got to be really sure that you're taking a shot downfield yeah. and that you're throwing it. If if anything, you want to overthrow it, not underthrow. Because you underthrow it in Iowa City, especially where, where oh, yeah. you just played, or even in Indiana. Bloomington can be weird sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, you can be in the fourth quarter in a in a ball game that you didn't think you'd be in. So um, you know, but Getting back to JJ, I thought he was fantastic. I really did. Uh, it wasn't overly flashy other than the Donovan Edwards touchdown that he had where he kind of rolled out to the right and made a beautiful throw to Donovan Edwards. I mean, and the fact of the matter is, you know, the defense kind of came up because they thought JJ could be potentially rolling out to run the ball, and he's got Donovan wide open in the end zone for the touchdown. What a great play by Donovan, too. If you watch the replay of that play – that play was designed for him to go to the opposite corner of the end zone. Mm-hmm. You know, they were loaded up on that side and the opposite side, and he was supposed to cross across the formation, run across the formation. He realized it, went to scramble drill mode, and uh, those two just both made excellent plays. And if you watch, if you've seen the highlights, uh, that ball's tipped, you know, and, and Donovan still made an amazing catch in the back of the end zone. So, so nice to have him back. He's such a difference maker. He's he gives them such a good one-two punch. I mean, the difference between him and the other guys back there is substantial. And so uh, really good timing for him to get back for the stretch run. 
I want see. I wonder too. I mean, because he came up limping a couple times. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he won't play in this this Indiana game. I think he'll play. You know, they'll, they'll probably limit him, but I don't think he'll play. I mean, if he's healthy, he wants to be out there. I don't know if there's a guy on the team that loves playing more than he does. You can't keep a guy like that down if he's healthy enough. So I would assume he'd play. He might be on a, uh, you know, hit count a little bit, but uh, he he. I think he'll. I think he'll play. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's one of those things where you don't want to get him hurt, but you also don't want to get to the point where where he's cold and coming into a, a now a very important game looking looking past the Indiana game just a little bit uh, in Penn State, and you know that's another game where you know you you're gonna need him. You're gonna need a wrinkle like that where you could throw the ball out of the backfield. Um, but uh, JJ's uh, PFF grade was 70.4. He had 67 snaps, obviously all of them in the game at quarterback. Um, so we don't need to go much more into that. But in terms of the running backs, um, you know, you kind of alluded to it already. Donovan Edwards only had 18 snaps where Blake Corm had 50. And Blake Corm, as we talked about again, was fantastic with a 80.3 uh, PFF grade. Donovan with a 73.9. He was very efficient when he was out there. Oh, so good. Uh, the reality is, is when we get to Indiana, they have to play more guys. They were the only two running backs play, got on the field on Saturday, and that's not sustainable. You know, and, and you know, God forbid one of them gets hurt down the road, and now all of a sudden you have to rush one of these other backs in that haven't played a lot. They need to get more guys touches out there. Yeah, I'd like to see Isaiah Gash get some more um, tread here because he's been, solid, he's been out there. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's he's a walk on guy and, and he's gotten a scholarship now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it's, it's interesting because you know the one time that, that he's been out there, he's done good. I know, um, not Tavier Dunlap. Um, uh, he's his name escaping my head. Yeah. Yeah. CJ Stokes, you know, he put the ball on the ground and rightfully so he didn't see the field the rest of the game, which I mean, that's kind of how it goes in football. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. The running back situation is is certainly one of those situations where it's got to be someone else has got to emerge, whether it's Isaiah Gash or CJ Stokes or even Tavier Dunlap. Your point about Gash, I think is a good one. He's, if you've watched, he's been really solid when he's out there. People will often turn their nose up at, at walk-ons. But, you know, two things I'd say about that. One, Max Bredesen has been great. He's a walk-on. And if you just go back a few years ago with True Wilson, he turned into the third best back on that team, and he was very reliable, and he was a walk-on. So we have history on this team under Jim Harbaugh having a lot of success with walk-ons. So, I, you know, I have a lot of faith. If, the, if Mike Hart and Jim Harbaugh have faith in Isaiah Gash, then uh, let's, let's go. I agree. I think the one low point on the team, I don't think they were awful, but I, their PFF grades seemed like they were maybe not below average, but they just weren't fantastic. I don't think the wide receivers, I think we, we talk about the, the meat left on the bone. I feel like the, the wide receivers, um, there's a lot left to be desired at this point, I feel like still. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak to their grades or do not look great uh, other than Andrew Anthony. You know, I said last week that, you know, obviously there's something mental going on there a little bit that's holding him back from getting on the field more. But when he gets out there, he makes plays, you know. And so, you know, I'm sure we'll see a lot more of him. His grades his grades are about there have been solid. We'll play more. Roman Wilson, you know, there's been some talk about him, maybe a concussion or something at the end of that game. So we'll see his availability this week. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Harbaugh said he's fine. Well, but, potentially uh, that gives a guy like Darius Clemens or Amarion Walker, maybe not Amarion Walker, but definitely Darius Clemens. I know he went out there and had five snaps in the game, but he did have a holding penalty. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh, there's nothing more that irks any coach in college football or the NFL uh, more than penalties, especially when you're a, a freshman. And, uh, you know, you can't do that if you're a no. freshman and think you're going to get get you know, snaps and playing time. So the one thing I love about Clemens is if you watch that game close enough, he was out there on a lot of special teams units. So that when you see a wide receiver on special teams units, it's a guy that loves football. You know, I mean that they're picky about who gets out there and they want guys that want to go bang and make plays and like Sanders still at the last couple of years. Uh you know, seeing him out in those units, I think that says a lot about the type of player he is and the type of player he's gonna be. Yeah, I agree. You kind of talked about um Max Bredesen, but but Luke Schoonmaker quietly was could have been maybe not the MVP of the game, but he was fantastic. You know, he had 62 awesome. snaps, a 78.8 um, uh, PFF grade. He he had a better grade than almost all the wide receivers except for Andrell Anthony, who had 11 snaps and an 82.2 PFF grade. So, I mean, Luke Schoonmaker, Joel Horningford, Max Bredesen, Colston Loveland. I mean, they have an assortment of riches at tight end. And Eric Hall's not even playing. Yes, yeah. Harbaugh said uh, this week – that he thinks Luke Schoonmaker, when it's all said and done, could be one of the best tight ends ever to play at Michigan. That's a lot. In fact, a lot of good tight ends have played at that program. So that's a pretty lofty statement. And Harbaugh is very complimentary of his players all the time. But he often doesn't throw around accolades and comparisons unless yeah. they're warranted. So for him to say something like that shows you the type of player they think he is and could be. And he, the last couple of weeks with Eric Hall, he's been, like you said, one of the team's best players, if not the best player outside of Blake Corum on offense. Yeah, the other thing, too, that, that we're kind of going to graze past the tight ends here and talk about a real strong portion of this team. I thought the offensive line was awesome in that Had game. Had the best game for sure. Yeah. they. I mean, Zinter was fantastic. Uh, you know, Olu, Olu Atimi, who who I can never pronounce his name, um, but you know, he was great in the game. Uh, Trent A. Jones had a couple uh, plays where I didn't particularly love, but – Ryan Hayes, good again. And mm -hmm. Trevor Keegan had a 59.9, but there's there's rumors he's kind of dealing with an injury. So, I mean, for him to give you that, um, you know, potentially with an injury, is it better with him not on the field and, and have somebody else in that position? I don't know. Um, but certainly I, I think, you know, the, the offensive line is is really trending in a good way right now. Absolutely. And that, that PFF grade you see for Trevor Keegan, who is the lowest graded lineman, if you watch crunch time, who they're running behind, the biggest run plays, the most important run plays, they're running right behind Trevor Keegan. So uh, there, there's a lot to be excited about having all five, got the five starters back. Carson Barnhart was all, is also healthy. So they have their top six linemen, as they refer to, all healthy. Again, heading into the Big Ten, the media Big Ten schedule is something to be excited about. And I think they're routing into shape, you know. Well, the other thing that, 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 um, that I've noticed and, and you know, you would notice watching the games as well. Um, they all had 67 snap counts. So mm -hmm. there was nobody else out there. It was Zinter, Oluwatimi, Ryan Hayes, Trent A. Jones, and Trevor Keegan. And those were the guys snap after snap after snap after snap after snap. Yeah, these snap counts, they, they played a very shallow roster this week. It tells you who they trust the most, right? There's not yeah. any questions to ask. That was a game that Harbaugh put a lot of uh, priority on for and rightfully so and you see the guys this this tells you here's who they trust you know? yeah 
Absolutely. Uh, again, I think the offense as a whole was good. I don't think it was fantastic. I think it was good. I think there's still a lot left there. But again, you know, this is only week five. And so we go to week six and we'll see what happens at Bloomington. Uh, moving on to the defense, uh, Mozzie Smith, a decent game, not disruptive enough. Chris Jenkins, a decent game, not disruptive enough. Mason Graham, uh, for only 30 snaps, I, I thought he had a pretty good game. I, I got to be honest. Monster. He's a yeah. monster. And Mozzie, I thought, had a, a fantastic game. Like, yeah, you know, it, both, it, uh, if you listen to the post-game interview with Mike Morris and uh, Iyabi Oki, they both credited all their pressures, uh, all their pressures, most of their pressures to Mozzie. They said Mozzie makes it so much easier for them. So, uh, you know, whatever that grade is, it he, he was a, made a big impact. And you don't hold those guys to under three yards of carry yeah. without That's climbing true. up the middle. middle. So That's he true. was, you know, very strong. That is true. Um, now, Jalen Harrell, Mike Morris, Yabi Oki, Taylor Upshaw, Braden McGregor, Derek Moore. I'm surprised Derek Moore didn't get more run, only five snaps in the game. Uh, but Yabi Oki, another really good game. Really Mike good. Morris really kind of put the team on his back in the fourth quarter. Uh, both of those guys. I mean, Mike Morris, we all knew at some point was going to emerge, whether it's on the inside, interior part or it's, or it's on the edge part. Um you know he's he's a beast, and mm -hmm. and there's no reason why he can't be disruptive, and why this edge portion of the team and and the interior defensive line can't be disruptive. There's no reason why. Yeah, the real promising thing there to me was, you know, I mentioned earlier that the game plan was let's make Spencer Petras beat us, and early on, you know, you weren't seeing much pressure, but they were shutting down the run, and there were open passing lanes. Once it got to the point in the game where the running game because the of clock management was no longer an option. They started dialing up pressures and that those last few minutes, they were in the backfield all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. That's excited the weeks ahead of teams that are going to rely on the pass more. Absolutely. And it, 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 to me, it didn't feel like they blitzed that much. I don't know if there's numbers for as much as they blitzed or not, but just, you know, on the eye test alone, it didn't look like they were blitzing a whole lot. Um, especially like, you know, when they needed to get off the field, it didn't seem like they had the blitz. It seemed like they, they could play some zone. Um, you know, Iabioki with 26 snaps, that's the most he's had all season. So it seems like they're, they're kind of have him on a pitch count and they're kind of, you know, getting him up to speed. And, and it seems like he's quietly, we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, it seems like he's quietly starting to, you know, become the number one pass rusher. Uh, Jalen Harrell, I know had more snaps and Mike Morris too, but, Yabioki 26 this week. Does he get the 30 or 35 next week? Probably. I mean, I think it's going to be cranked. Well, I mean, I think Indiana, they, they, they could get, game could get out of hand, so that you're going to see more guys play. But I think Morris and uh, Oki are definitely the two primary. I agree. Switchers. Harold's more of a you know rush linebacker most of the time. But uh, yeah, he. You know, the, the only thing that's, uh, that I've observed or noticed with Oki is that team loves him. Whenever he makes a play, I mean, they surround him and give him so much love. So, I mean, he is quickly, uh, you know, with all the baggage that he allegedly had from his time, you know, at a couple other stops, that he's he's learned his lessons. And so uh, that, that team yeah. has really embraced him. I don't think he'd be on this team if he hadn't, to be honest. No, with you. Yeah. I really don't think but, Jim Harbaugh but, wanted to bring, you know, the, we talked about the culture. We're not, we don't have to get into that. But, yeah. you know, the culture has gotten so much better here at Michigan. Absolutely. Um, 
the linebackers I thought were there was a lot left to be desired desired there. Um, Junior Colson had probably his worst game, uh, and that's not picking on him, but you know it's just the, you know the grades weren't good. He did, he did have the most snaps on as a linebacker. The linebackers as a whole they need to pick it up and pick it up quickly. I agree. I think it's uh, you know I had a lot of Nakai Hill Green being out is not doing yeah. that team because it's not a real deep position group. But I really thought that this year junior Colson was going to step into and have a Devin Bush like impact year. And that just hasn't materialized. He is, you know, he's a solid player, obviously a great athlete, but you know, you're just not see, hearing his name called that much. I don't know. I don't know schematically, you know, it, it's not set up for him to do, you know, make big plays, but with his speed and his uh, you know, what we saw from last year, I just had so much higher, so much higher expectations and, uh, hopefully he's saving his best for the last half of the season. Yeah, you know, hopefully that's the case. And hopefully Jesse Minter starts to see his strengths versus his weaknesses mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, gets him into a situation where he can start being a heat seeker, kind of like Josh Ross was, you know. Mm-hmm. Josh Ross is a hard hitter. He, he hit those holes quickly. And, uh, you know, he was good at reading the play. I know that's something that, that can be taught. And it's something, you know, obviously instinct is important too. But a 31.1 uh, PFF grade is not good as, as a defensive player or an offensive player. So, um, you know, Michael Barrett, I thought was pretty good. I think out of, out of those guys, I think he, he was pretty good. Khalil Mullings only had seven snaps. Um, so that there's, there's a lot of meat left on the bone for left lack of a better term there, but, um, I think they can get better at linebacker and hopefully at some point they get Nakai Hill green back. And, and, you know, that would certainly help solidify it. Defensive backs, um, you know, DJ Turner had an okay game, I thought. Um, but overall, the defensive backs have been really good. Really Mike solid. Had his worst game, though. Yeah, he did not seem, did not seem to be uh, – I saw a couple of plays in particular where he was grossly out of position, but uh, – you know he's been he's been great and you know a couple of bad plays kind of stuck out stuck, stood out for me with him but like you said overall the defensive backs have been really solid I continue to love what Makari Page brings to the table uh, you know they, they just and the two corners are just really really good yeah one thing to talk about just as a as a defense as a whole I mean they just they don't have enough takeaways when you when you talk about playing one of the be- one of the worst um, quarterbacks in the Big Ten and Spencer Petras and not being able to turn the ball over at all against him. I mean, that that is concerning a little bit. I wonder if that has to do with the pass rush not getting there just yet. Uh, but I think once that starts to come on, I think the defensive backs are, are good enough. And the linebacking court, maybe not as great, but I think those guys can catch the ball. And, and especially the guys like Mike Sanders still, you look, look to him to have a couple picks or, you know, yeah. it doesn't even have to be picks, just turnovers in general. They're not forcing turnovers. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that is one concern for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think turnovers, you know, the, the, the water kind of finds its level and, you know, that can be a blessing that they don't have turnovers yet because, you know, that means they're going to come in flurries at some point and hopefully they come in some of the games that matter the most to, to the team. So uh, I, I'm not as, I, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear and would love to see more turnovers, but you know, I'm not that as concerned. You know what I mean? Let's, you know, kind of segues into turning the page to that Indiana game right around the corner. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's, it's like my major concern. Like, I don't think that, you know, I'm going to lose sleep over it. No, nothing that I saw in that Iowa game 
um, tells me that Michigan's a fraud or anything like that. Um, but, you know, that's just one thing to keep an eye on. And, and you know, they still don't have a ton of uh, sacks on the season. I know, I know it's gotten a little bit better. The pass rush is starting to get home a little bit more. So I think, you know, as time goes on, that will get better. Around the Big Ten, man, uh, you know, Sparty hasn't looked good. Frost was out a couple weeks ago at Nebraska. Paul Christ is out at Wisconsin. That's a thing I never thought I would see happen. Although you can kind of talk yourself into it if you're a Wisconsin fan. You know, they had a bad year in 2020. Uh, 2021 wasn't much better. They got the brakes beat off of them against Michigan at home, something that never happens if you're Wisconsin. And they always usually play Ohio State tough, and they got the brakes beat off of them by Ohio State. Sure did. Um, the wheels are starting to fall off of Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, the Big Ten this year, I mean, there's no easy way. There's no way to sugarcoat it. The Big Ten is not as strong as it typically is. I think, you know, there's some promising things in the Big Ten. Illinois, Brett Bielema's is doing a great job there. Loxley looks like he's finally figuring it out at Maryland. Rutgers, we know Shannon's going to turn them into a at least a respectable program there. So some of the teams that haven't uh, been that great the last five, six years are starting to come on. But, man, the Big Ten West is just miserable. I think, no everyone, I think anyone at Northwestern has a chance to win it still. Uh, so that, that could be an exciting finish, but it's just down. And then, you know, I think obviously Michigan and Ohio State are top five teams. And then Penn State, who we'll see how good they are. I, I think they're pretty good. I'm I'm very nervous about that game. But outside of that, there's you know there's only three ranked teams in the conference, and so uh, you know it's it's not a great year for that. Uh, you know, and then then if, down, if you talk down, about the college football playoff um, yeah. in terms of, of of the Big Ten West, yeah, no, I mean the, the, there's no chance for the most part. <laughs> I mean unless. You know, Minnesota goes 11 and one and, you know, gets the, the Big Ten title game and wins the Big Ten. Then, yeah, then oh, maybe absolutely. there's a chance. Yeah, that's but, the to go. Yeah. But that's the only scenario. I mean, you talk about the Big Ten West being a dumpster fire. I mean, you have <laughs> Nebraska that fired Scott Frost tied for first place in the Big Ten West. I mean, that's how I mean, big of a joke the West is right now. It'll be crazy if Wisconsin or Nebraska wins the West. And it's possible. It's Wisconsin. Very possible. They're Very two awesome. and three right on the season. Yep. And, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're oh and two. Everyone else is one and one. They could rip off 10 in a row with um, who's the coach? The coach now is uh, Jim Leonard, right? The defensive mm-hmm. coordinator, yes. uh, coordinator that took over there. Um, and, they, you know, they could easily, I'm not saying easily because, you know, most of the time when a coach gets fired, teams check out, but it could be the opposite way where, Wisconsin just finds what they have. I mean, Graham Mertz is supposed to be this great five-star recruit, and it just has not uh, turned well for him at Wisconsin. Yeah, change of coach is not going to make that guy a good quarterback all of a sudden. He's just yeah. yeah. I I happen to agree with you. But, yeah, I mean, it, we talked about this before. Michigan State doesn't look great either. Uh, you know, I mean, they kind of got smoked there by, by Maryland. We kind of called that. We, yeah. we thought that would be the case. Uh, we turned out to be right, you know, around college football. I mean, you had what 10 teams in the top 25 lose or something like that. Kentucky, yeah. NC State, Washington, yeah. Baylor, AM, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Minnesota, Florida State, and Pittsburgh. And then a close game for Georgia, two in a row. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable uh, where college football is. And this is after Joel Clad had a podcast basically saying that, you know, the top three 
Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State never struggle, but everybody else seems to struggle. And the reasoning behind that, and you know, we we talk a lot about recruiting in, in on this podcast. Um, a lot of that has to do with recruiting. They said 50, he said fifty percent of uh, of the uh, you know the last three years of uh, five star recruits have chosen Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's stat. that's the difference in college football right now. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's also, yeah. it also says, you know, with whatever the number was, I don't know if it was 10, but a lot of ranked teams lost last week. That's why when you go into Kinnick and win by 13, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think I predicted 24-17 and the, the score was 27-14, so I just had the seven and the fours in the wrong places. But, uh, you know, that kind of win you got to be happy with in the in college landscape now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um so Michigan has a trip up to Bloomington. That game can be found on Fox at noon. Another big noon game, Joel Klatt and um, Gus Johnson and Jenny Taft. You know, I know a lot of people love them. A lot of people hate them. Michigan, I, them. I, I like them too, to be honest with you. I didn't like Gus Johnson for a long time. And then I saw this video on YouTube of how like big of a Michigan fan he is. I don't know how Fox allows it, to be honest with you, but you know what? It's uh, it's certainly a thing that that I it turned me uh, into a kind of a Gus Johnson fan, although, you know, it, it kind of I don't know, whatever it is yeah. what it is. But a 22 point favorite on the road in Bloomington, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Indiana, if you look at their team, they're just not that great. You know, uh, their quarterback is third, Connor Bazelak. You know, he's throwing a lot of yards. On TDs, but when you're down all the time, you're playing against D, you know, prevent D. Uh, that's where all that comes from. Uh, I mean, I think he's an adequate, competent quarterback. I think he's a lot better than Spencer Petrus, but I just think those are misleading stats. I think uh, this game's going to get ugly, I believe. Uh, Indiana seems to be having a down year, but if anyone remembers during the COVID year, Michigan lost in Bloomington. You know, that'll, that'll give Harbaugh just enough motivation and the team just enough motivation. Mike Hart returns to where he was a coach before he came to Michigan. Uh, you know, I, I think Michigan wins that game 45 to 13, 45. Yeah, I, 10, I, think, like that. I think it's one of those games where you're going to see J.J. McCarthy sling the ball around the field a little bit, For especially sure. if they get the lead. Um, I don't think the, the, the play calling is going to be as conservative um, in terms of, of – you know, the, the play calling and, and everything like that. Hopefully you see more players play, which means, you know, Michigan wins comfortably. Um, I take nothing for granted going to Bloomington. I think, you know, Tom Allen is, uh, whether you like him or not, and I don't like him, I think he's kind of a cocky asshole, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, his teams play hard. They play tough. They play till the end of the game. Uh, Michigan smoked them in, in Ann Arbor last year, 29-7, to and – Michael Penix Jr. was hurt. They had a bunch of players hurt in that game. Um, I think they were without their top three receivers. Uh, so Michigan is going to have – I think it'll be a game for a little while, and then Michigan will, will dominate and, and, you know, the, the skill set will, will kind of take over. I'm going to take Michigan win this game comfortably, 38-7, to the score that it should have been last week against I, Iowa. I love it. You know, it's funny as, as we're supposed to say, you're saying, we have to take, uh, you know, each game and get a win and not try to hype up – you know, and have these expectations, and we both just said they're going to seal club them. So, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 just, I don't see a lot in that Indiana team. I, I thought that they were a pretty either. decent team. 
you know, they what were they three and zero at one point, and, yes. and then the, their last two losses are to Cincinnati, and then they kind of got boat raced by Nebraska at, at Nebraska, which I guess could be a little bit skewed because it was a night game, but um, yeah, definitely not. Uh, a good Indiana team, I wouldn't say, but again, you know, never say never in college football. Um, My big question for that game is, you know, what approach does the staff take? Do they play it super vanilla, you know, Penn State sitting at home this week on a bye week. So they'll all be tuned in and watch that game. And then, you know, they come for the maze out the following week. Do they, uh, do they try to throw the playbook at them? So Penn State has for everything and throw all kinds of crazy stuff on that uh, in the game and so Penn State has to prepare for it or do they keep it really vanilla and save the crazy stuff when they play them that's that's I mean as I look at it I just want them to stay healthy I want them to play clean I want them to you know come close to it but that's what I'm that's the thing I'm most interested in yeah it's one of those situations where you think that they should go out there and they should kind of beat the brakes off of Indiana (laughs) um kind of give you not everything uh out there but I mean kind of open up the playbook just a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those situations where you do, you're right, you have Penn State kind of at home waiting, um, you know, to go to Ann Arbor, uh, where historically, at least recently, it hasn't gone well for Penn State. But, no. you know, they, they have a chip on their shoulder. No one's really paying attention to them. They're actually the only t- other team in the Big Ten that's ranked other than Ohio State and Michigan. So, um, you know, that should be an interesting game, but we'll get into that next week. Uh, in terms of Michigan and Indiana, this will be the 70th uh, meeting. Michigan won the last one, obviously, last year. And then the first meeting was way back in 1900, a 12-0 Michigan win in Ann Arbor against Indiana. So they have quite the history against the Hoosiers. Um, typically, it doesn't go well for Indiana. But again, like I said, you know, anything can happen in college football. Well, what was how many in a row had Michigan won before the COVID year? It was some crazy I think amount. It was eighteen in a row or something like that. Nineteen in a row or something like that. Because the, the the win the last win by Indiana was in nineteen eighty seven, a fourteen to ten win in Bloomington, and then Michigan won on uh, October twenty second, nineteen eighty eight, thirty one to six, and then the last win was in Bloomington, thirty nine fourteen. And then the loss came in 2020, that COVID year, which actually that Indiana team was pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, I think it was 23 straight, 24 straight, something like that. Is that what it was? Michigan leads the series all time 60 to 10. So it's it's been a lopsided uh, matchup for sure. But As Brian knows and as the listeners know, my math is not my strong suit. So (laughs) I'll take I'll take your word for it. The the last thing I want to just kind of touch on over under this game is 59. I think it goes over that, to be honest with you. I do too. Unless unless weather comes into Bloomington or something. Although my my prediction isn't over that. So maybe maybe it maybe it does go under. I don't know. I guess it kind of depends. You know, it depends on how how badly Jim Harbaugh wants to win this game and, and, you know, what they want to do, what they want to pull out. Fluke fluke plays lead contribute so much to those over-unders, right? Like a scoop and score late, you know, uh, two weeks, two games in a row, we've given up garbage touchdowns with under a minute left. You know what I mean? So there's those, there's those types of things, um, you know, that's hard to predict, but uh, let's stay healthy. Let's win. Let's uh, be clean and uh, get ready for Penn state. Yeah, you kind of talked about injuries. Well, this will be the last thing we, we touch on. Um, Caden Colasar seems like he could yeah. be out a little while. Um, he's played the most snaps on special teams. 
Um, he's been kind of a rock back there other than the two ki- the, the kicker and the punter there. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that could be a huge loss potentially, you know, um, but, you know, next man up, that's all you can do here. Well, another thing to watch, tease to keep your eye on, and I'm drawing a blank for his name, but Michigan's long snapper, who was a vital part of the uh, team and special teams, one of the best special teams units in the country, is out. And so I think they're playing a true freshman at long snappers. Just something to watch, you know, if that those are clean, those exchanges are uh, uh are good. That's just something we can circle back and talk about next week. But uh, yeah, and I'm glad Jake is on track as yeah. well. That, that's yeah. another that's another important thing. But yeah. I just want to get your final thoughts, Brian, because I don't think we have much more to talk about here. Yeah, no, uh, I'm really excited. I think that everything's right there. I think you know Georgia. After two weeks, everyone thought this team's Georgia's better than last year. They look so great, and now two weeks in a row, they have looked very vulnerable. And the season is not about Georgia. My point is it's about finding a move and peaking at the right time. You know, this team seems to be getting better every week, you know, whether it's the offensive line gelling, the pass rush coming together. You know, if they keep can stay healthy and keep getting better and J.J. can, you know, he's still, once he has three career starts, four career starts, uh, is still a learning uh, player. So, you know, let's keep improving and, and, and let's peak at the right time. Yeah, no, I think I think that's the biggest thing. And with the schedule coming up, you have we said Indiana this week, Penn State next week, the bye week, then at Michigan State, which, or sorry, at home against Michigan State, which could potentially be a night game at Rutgers, home against Nebraska, Illinois, and then that Ohio State game. So um, we have a lot to talk about still going forward, but I think that's where we're going to end it tonight. For Brian, I'm Tyler. You guys have a good night. And as go always, blue. go blue.